The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Straub, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we begin, a quick reminder, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you could. That is always a big help. Now, as we get set for week seven, it is time, as always, to talk waiver wire pickups. Today, pinch hitting, stepping in for Dr. A. He wrote the waiver wire column today on Roto World, Raphael Johnson. Raphael, I think Colin Sexton has been at the top of the waiver wire column three weeks running now. He's playing well. He's shooting well. I think the tendency is we think of young point guards as, as typically having, you know, sky high upside, especially when they're high draft picks. Sexton, though, not doing a ton outside of points and field goal percentage. How much upside does he have for you? Is it possible that he's just solid and that's it and that's okay? I think right now I would lean towards him being solid. You know, one thing I'd say in, in his favor right now is the fact that he's been a bit more efficient than he was earlier in the season. And he really wasn't known for his efficiency while at Alabama either. He was kind of more of a, uh, a high volume guy. Um, obviously he's had more opportunities for one with George Hill getting hurt. And secondly, the fact that Cleveland's really going young and I don't want to use the word tank, but it's quite clear that they aren't going to be competing for a playoff spot this season. So right. he's got plenty of opportunities to produce. He shot 53% from the field last week in four games and he got another four games this week. So I think the fact that he's playing better and, and also that the schedule kind of lines up in terms of Cleveland the number of games that they're playing in these next few weeks. That really helps his fantasy value, too. Yeah, you you said, uh, you mentioned a couple of things there, that the Cleveland schedule is just is absurdly good right now, yeah. better than anyone else's. Uh, four more four-game weeks coming up in a row. And you said you did not want to use the word tank with Cleveland. I will use the word tank <laughs> when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, my hometown team. Uh, and we talked about Jeremy Lin last week in this space, and he's he's blown up even more. His last five games heading to Sunday, he's around 17 points, four assists, 1.4 steals, 2.4 threes. He's shooting a lights out too. Is Lin creeping into the picture as a pickup in even shallow leagues right now? I think he could be. You, meant, you also added the fact that Trey Young has really struggled of late. Um, Atlanta really hasn't played those two together all that much, even though it was discussed back in the summer during summer league as a possibility. Basketball reference really didn't have any data on those two playing together in terms of their splits and what they're producing. So, you know, Lynn played 30 minutes the other night, played well. I think the fact that Atlanta's got a 10 game losing streak at a certain point, even though you want to play young players, you also want to avoid those lengthy losing streaks. So he's going to get more minutes if he continues to play at this level. So I think I would say maybe a deeper league, maybe we're getting into that point, as you said, in terms of shallower leagues being a pickup possibility for Lynn. But I don't know, man. It's I guess I'd lean yes because of the way in which he's played of late. But Trey Young's still going to be the starter, I think, right now. Yeah, it's weird. It's hard to, in a, in a super shallow league, it's hard to pick up a guy who's only playing, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a game, but, but Lynn is crushing on a permanent basis. Mm-hmm. Atlanta actually has sort of the opposite of Cleveland's schedule coming up. They have five straight three game weeks coming up. So yeah. 
not necessarily an ideal stretch to use Lynn in a weekly league, but, but man, he is playing well and, and it is impacting Trey Young. And, and I don't know which came first, you know, whether it's Lynn playing well that has, has kind of cut down Trey Young's minutes or the Hawks just being in full scale tank mode, you know, leading to the fact that they've cut Trey Young's minutes. But for me, Trey Young in a nine category league is tough to own. But let's say you're playing in a points league. Do you think there's a sort of a potential buy low window here on Trey Young? I'd say right now, yes, just because of how much he struggled. He's got the ability to produce points. We've seen that in college. We've seen that at times in the NBA, even though he's struggling right now. I think if you can get him on the cheap without having to give up a player of high value in return, I think it might not be a bad idea to go ahead and try to do that. All right, another backup point guard you highlighted. It's, it's, it feels like the year of the backup point guard in, to some extent, but Fred Van Vliet, Owned in only 45% of leagues as we're here taping. Uh, he's coming on a little bit. Do you think, you know, he, he was pretty reliable for long stretches last year. Do you think we're finally maybe getting to a point where we can start to count on Van Vliet again? I would hope so. Uh, last week, he shot 9 of 18 from the field. Uh, his last two games, I should say. And his percentages have really been down this season. You know, I think he's shooting less than 40% from the field, about 32% from three. Um, which aren't, that's not at the level that we'd come to expect from Fred Van Vliet. So it looks like he's starting to get going. The assists are, are rising a little bit as well. Average six per game last week. So I would hope for Toronto's sake that he's starting to turn it around because they, he's a really key part of that second unit. He's still going to be in that unit if he's struggling with a shot. But if he can make more shots, that just makes him an even more valuable player for the Raptors and for fantasy players too. The Raptors go three games next week and then four games each of the next two weeks after that. Continuing on, Bryn Forbes. I think he got dropped a lot of places because everyone was expecting big things from Derek White. That obviously hasn't happened. Meanwhile, Forbes kind of continues to do the points and threes thing. Mm -hmm. I'm always a little hesitant, especially this year and in recent years, to go after guys who just get points and threes. But Forbes has been really consistent. So... I don't know. To me, he's a solid uh, solid option in that regard. What's your take on Forbes? Yeah, I think you look at their offense. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, neither of those guys is a prolific three-point shooter. And, you know, the spurt, you, need the fight, you need to have that somewhere in your offense. That's why Forbes is in the starting lineup. Uh, that's why he's been consistent because those two kind of provide some spacing where they attract the eyeballs of the defense and he can kind of find those open spaces within the offense. So I think that's why I had him on the list. Obviously, like you said, he's a points and threes guy. So if he's not hitting in those areas, his value is pretty much null at that point. But I think he's done enough throughout the course of the season to make him make himself a decent option in your, in your deeper leagues. Yeah, he's hit double-digit points in 10 of his last 11 games, mm-hmm. and I believe 2.6 trays in those last 11 games. So yeah, you're not going to get steals. You're not going to get a lot else. But if you can get those elsewhere, the good thing about Forbes is he's super consistent. So I do like that about him. This The word consistency is actually not what comes to mind with the next guy. Noah Vonley, he's been all over the place. He's on a hot run right now. I've picked this guy up and dropped him like five times in a couple of my leagues. I really want him to keep it going because he's got so much fantasy upside. Is there any hope for people who are adding Vonley again? Man, it, it's tough. It's kind of like gambling where you, you, <laughs> you know, you, you gotta get, you're on a hot streak. You want to keep going until it peters out, but you don't want to be on it too long to where you end up losing everything. You know, right. 
that's kind of the way it is with Noah Vonley. He's played really well last week. And also the other factor is that we really don't know what David Fisdale's rotation is. You know, like for example, Mara Hazonia sat out two games completely and then was in the starting lineup after that last week. So I think Vonley's done enough recently to make sure he remains part of the rotation for now. But you never know. Here's a guy who's a career 32% shooter from three over the course of the season. He shot, what, 57% last week. He's, I think he's up over 40 for the season. I don't know if that's sustainable for him given his past track record. So I think right now he's a guy you pick up just because of the way he's played of late. But I don't think anyone should make him like a cornerstone of their fantasy team by any stretch. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the last three games heading into Sunday – Three straight double-doubles, mm-hmm. around 15 points, 12 boards, three assists, just short of two steals and two blocks, and three threes a game. Anyone who can put up that kind of stretch needs to be flying off of waiver wires even and, and be willing to weather a little bit of inconsistency yeah. because the net result is still solid. Agreed. All right. We're going to stay in New York for a minute, and this is not for anyone with a faint stomach. Emmanuel Moutier, I, I sort of can't believe this is happening, but maybe I should have seen it coming. Tommy Beer said on this podcast a couple weeks ago that that Fisdale really liked Moutier and, and thought he could maybe unlock something in Moutier to kind of get his talent to translate. And the crazy thing is it's starting to happen. And Moutier was not in your waiver wire column. So I just want to get your take on Emmanuel and, and what you think of his uh, his potential for anyone adding him off waivers. Uh, he played extremely well against Pelican, 27 points um, in that game. Seven rebounds, four steals. My issue with that is that it took 20 shots on the field for him to do it. You know, uh, he, he made 10 of those shots, you know, so you give him that much. But I'm not in a place where I'm going to be buying on Emmanuel Moutier right now. You know, at least for one game, Fisdale unlocked some things, but I think he scored five points a game prior. Yeah. And, you know, he's another guy that if you look at the Knicks rotation, some nights Trey Burke will, will get minutes. Others, it'll be Alonzo Trier. Tim Hardaway seems to be the one constant in that backcourt right now. And then you also have the Courtney Lee factors. He's working his way back from the neck injury. He hasn't played at all this season, so he's probably a ways off in terms of being able to contribute on the court. But Moutier, I don't know. You kind of hope for the sake of Knicks fans that this is the start of something and they have something in this guy. They picked up for relatively cheap, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know. You look at his career, I don't know if, if I'm willing to go that far just yet with him. Yeah, he's shooting over 50% from the field, I believe, this season, which is just insane yeah. uh, for those of us who, who dealt with him for long stretches in our lineup any time in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he, you know, he's scoring some points, getting some steals and threes. The assists aren't really there yet. So he's more of a deeper league pickup, but certainly needs to be on watch lists, if nothing else, at this point. Uh, Jetty Osman also made your list. I've, I've been concerned about his shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly not shy. Do you think it's possible he's going to turn a corner there? I would hope so. You know, as you noted, he had, he hadn't shot the ball well all season. Um, my big thing is that he's getting opportunities. You know, you look the schedule factor and also the fact that Cleveland's gone so young. Um, no more J.R. Smith. Kevin Love's out, obviously. They really don't have much of a choice but to play him as much as they can and see what they have in, in Chetty Osmond. And he put up some decent numbers, you know, in the three games before he shot really poorly against Houston. I think 17 and six with two assists in those three games prior. So he's got the ability to produce some things. But as you said, the shooting, you know, you really need to make sure that you've got some other anchors in your lineup. 
guys who are consistent shooters to where he doesn't kind of torpedo your field goal percentage categories. Yeah, so he's certainly shown some signs of life in that department lately, some signs of hope. He had a 7 of 13 game and a 7 of 14 game, followed by that 1 of 6 game against Houston. So we don't really know what we have. Be careful if you're putting him in your lineup. Uh, it's one of these, it's one of these tough calls because if you leave him on your bench, you're, you're potentially missing out on some pretty nice stat lines. If you put him in there, you're potentially wrecking your field goal percentage. So I really, it's one of these situations. It feels like it's hard to win, but I do think he's, he's sort of in must add territory at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, Kelly Oubre coming off a three steal, two block game recently. He's been getting some defensive stats, which is always nice to see from him. Do you think he's becoming trustworthy and, and maybe more than, Something more than a, a points and threes guy in the weeks ahead. Yeah, that I don't know if I'd put him in that trustworthy category just yet, but you know, obviously he's going to get minutes, and even though he's not directly impacted from a positional standpoint by Dwight Howard's return of the uh, gluteal soreness, fact of the matter is that you know he's going to be on that floor, and it kind of opens up some things to where they slide Markeith Morris down to the center on occasion and play smaller with Oubre on the court as well. So I think he's going to have, obviously he's going to have opportunities. Who knows what's happening in Washington with that team and what they could potentially do with some of their key players moving forward. But yeah, he, I don't know, man. I, I just, I've always been iffy on Kelly Oubre, even back to his days at Kansas, to be honest with you. But the fact that he's kind of starting to shoot a little bit better offensively and as you said giving some defensive stats i think that's a promising sign for him the wizards go four times next week and if mm-hmm. you're trying to capitalize on a guy who's been hot Ubre's last five games 13 points around four boards 1.2 steals 0.8 blocks and 1.23 so it might be able to to catch lightning in a bottle during this upcoming week if you are looking for some more fantasy hoops action maybe looking to start over had some frustrating teams head on over to draft.com we are talking Daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps. These things take just a few minutes to finish. You can even do auction drafts if you want, which is pretty cool. So enter the promo code RW and you can play for free again. Head over to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right. Every week I write a deep waiver wire column on the Road to World season pass. I wanted to talk to you about a couple of the names I highlighted this week. Jeremy Lin was actually in there, but now he's his ownership percentage has really spiked the last few days. I believe he's close to 30%, whereas he was around 15% in Yahoo Leagues earlier in the week. Uh, another guy I mentioned was, again, from Cleveland, uh, David Nwaba. Mm-hmm. He's around 10 points, 5 boards, 1.3 steals, 0.7 trays his last six games, consistently getting minutes. Are you buying him as a pickup in deeper leagues? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel I love like, a good solid. I, I just want to say I love a good solid. No, I really do. Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> I, I think, you know, obviously, as you noted, um, he's playing better. Um, he scored at least seven points in each of those last six games, too. So it's not like he's had a huge scoring output followed by nothing. So I'll give him that much. He gives he's given improved rebounding. Good defender as well. So he may be able to get some steals of the occasional block as well. But I think the biggest positive for him would be Cleveland's schedule. We keep harping on it throughout this podcast, but it's just really, it really rings true for this group because he's going to have opportunities to play. You're playing four games a week. He pretty much has to play some. So I don't know if I, I really buy him as a pickup in, in deeper leagues. I guess it depends on just how deep the league is in terms of number of teams in it. 
Yeah, he's gone 18, 11, 7, 7, 7, and 12 points his last six games playing between about 22 and 38 minutes in those games. Uh, it's certainly nothing exciting, but, you know, when you get to a certain level of depth on the waiver wire, you're yeah. just excited to see guys who are getting minutes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, uh, Wilson Chandler has played 31 minutes per game in his last three. That was heading into Sunday. The production is not there, and I don't know if it's going to be given the players around him. Do you think there's any uh, hope of a Chandler hot streak, given that he is on the floor a lot? Yeah, I think the playing time would be the biggest argument in his favor. You know, I think both he and Mike Muscala have really struggled of late. So, you know, I I don't really know. They're trying to figure it all out. When you add a piece like Jimmy Butler, it's not the easiest thing to do in season to kind of figure out how all the pieces fit together. But, you know, he has a track record as as a veteran, obviously, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to be a big enough factor within that offense to be a, to represent a quality pickup fantasy wise. All right, let's uh let's get into a few guys who we would potentially drop to add some of the players we've been talking about. I'm going to throw some names at you. You tell me if you're okay with dropping these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh let's start with Terrence Ross. His minutes are down significantly since the return of Jonathan Isaac. He's actually still kind of producing though in that 20 to 25 minute range. He had 18 points on Friday, had a pretty good game on Sunday as well. Do you think Ross is a drop candidate or are you kind of holding on to him? I think he's kind of in between. You know, I think obviously he can give you points and give you three points, but he really doesn't give you much else. You know, that being said, his ability to get hot within the course of a game makes him an, an interesting prospect. I guess I'd lean towards drop because you never really know when that's going to happen. But that being said, I could see why some people may want it, may hesitate to drop him immediately, kind of take that wait-and-see approach with him. If you're on the line, again, the schedule could be a tiebreaker here. Orlando goes 3-3-3-3-3 three, 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 three the next five weeks in terms of game played, games played. Another guard who – this guy has a lot of upside, but he's been a bit of a mess lately. He had one game in double digit with double-digit points in his last six heading into Sunday, Josh Hart. Is Josh Hart someone you would drop? Of course, based on recent production, I think we'd all drop him, but – He's obviously got a lot of upside if things break right. So do you think uh, Hart is a hold or a stash at this point? Yeah, I think he's a stash right now. It's also worth noting he's playing through an ankle issue too. So, you know, what also kind of may lean towards a drop for some people is the fact that the Lakers have other wings. We look at Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Lance Stevenson, even though they can be a bit erratic at times. Well, I think Hart is more of a solid player in terms of, you know, what he does well on the floor. But the fact of the matter is that they have other options if they want to get him rested up and healed in terms of that ankle issue. So, man, it's a tough question just because I like him so much in terms of his talent. But fantasy-wise, I think he might be a drop right now. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, you could see how, you know, come February or March, we would be wondering why we dropped him mm-hmm. and, and those who added him would be pretty happy they did so. But it re- really might take some patience, yeah. though. Uh, Steph Curry getting closer to a return. If you have Curry, you picked up Quinn Cook. Is he a must hold as a handcuff or are you comfortable dropping him? I don't really believe in handcuffing in fantasy hoops. I, I don't even like doing it in fantasy football, yeah. but this might be one case where it makes sense. I, I'd agree with that because I think starting Thursday, they play every other day for the next five games after that point. So having Cook on board may help you out if you also have Steph Curry. Um, Cook has had moments where he's produced extremely well for that team in a starting role. 
I don't see him completely dropping out of the rotation for that reason. You know, that being said, how many minutes is he going to get once Steph Curry returns? And we also don't know, you know, go back to my earlier point, how Steve Kerr is going to use Steph Curry. Like, is he going to play him every game possible? Are they going to put in days of rest for him? How are they going to do that? So that's all going to have a, have an impact on Cook's minutes and his opportunities to score points. The Warriors' schedule, by the way, is crazy. I don't know if you've looked at it. They have three games exactly in 10 of the next 11 weeks. They play three games. They have one four-game week in the next 13 weeks. So it's it's a long stretch of three-game <laughs> weeks if you have Warriors on your roster. If you have more than one Warrior, I, I would potentially be thinking about mm-hmm. trading one of them away in weekly leagues. That That's going to be a tough run of games. Everyone, if you haven't checked it out, Raf's waiver wire column is up on rotoworld.com. Some great stuff in there. Be sure to check it out. And uh, and the Daily Dose on Monday will be up, so check that out. Uh, hey, man, listen, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you stepping in and uh, taking some swings. Much appreciated. Right. Thanks for having me. All right, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.